Steph. How are you? It's really real pleasure. It's really it's great to have you on the podcast. I haven't done any of these for about three or four weeks. I was taking a little break and we were talking on um, TGI Friday with Petra a few weeks ago and you, you brought up some really interesting topics when you were talking. So I thought it would be a great opportunity to do a podcast. So welcome. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm very honoured to be with you. Thank you. Oh, it's great to have you on. I really like to have, you know, these kind of conversations with people who are doing so much for the community. It's really good to, uh, you know, have the conversation, let everybody know, what, you know, what's going on. So let's just start with a little bit about you and who you are. So you live, you live down in Portsmouth, is that correct? Indeed, yeah. Uh, by the sea, always live by my by the sea, which I love. Absolutely. Are you really close to the sea, or? Yeah, yeah. Five ten minutes. What what's what are the beaches like? I've really not been Stone. to Portsmouth, so it's stony. Yeah, <clears throat> South it's Portsmouth and Southsea are the same place, but the, the beach is actually Southsea, um, and it's stony. But the beautiful walks. Um, you look across the Solent to the Isle of Wight. Uh, you've got the uh, forts going out that were built in the Napoleon Wars. Uh, and obviously it's the home of the Royal Navy. Um, yes, of course, yeah. So as a child, I remember absolutely thousands of men and bikes coming out of the dockyard at, when, the, when the whistle went at the end of the shift. Uh, traffic just stopped they're just swarms Portsmouth's very flat um it's a bit like Oxford so you used to just get this swarm of, of men on bikes basically yes. you know we had a navy in those days with lots and lots of ships um I think these days you know we've only probably got about 20 or 30 ships and I think, I think there's, there's probably the, the naval base there's also probably a BAE systems base there, I think. There is indeed, yes. Yeah, yeah there is. Is that uh, not where they built the new um, carriers? They built parts of the new carriers yeah, there. And they were there around. and in Scotland, wasn't it? Two yeah, they towed, towed them around on barges. Um, and then, of course, we got HMS Victory down here. Um, the the, the uh, Naval Museum is really superb. Um, it's I remember once being on a flight back from the States um, and there was a very loud American lady um, who you couldn't miss come from Phoenix in Arizona. <laughs> you know, the whole aircraft knew. And she was, and she was saying in a broad uh, American accent that Portsmouth was so famous and she was traveling across to go to Portsmouth to, to, to see the um, victory and the museum. And the whole plane knew about it. It was just, and I kind of just shrunk away and thought, yeah, okay, you know, I don't think it's that famous to come from Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> yeah, it's a long way saying. to go just to see Portsmouth, I think. Indeed, yeah. Is Portsmouth the port where, um, I guess a lot of the ships that used to go out to the States would go from Portsmouth, wouldn't they? No, not, not so not much. The, no, the, the liners go from Southampton. Southampton, yeah. About Just another hour down, down the Solent. Um, the ships have got to go really, really slowly. It's not that far in distance, but because these big super liners and uh, freight carriers, you know, that carry the containers, they are so massive. 
they have literally got to crawl along so they don't have a, a way of coming <laughs> Yeah. Um, but the, certainly I remember going back to the Falkland War and we went up to Southampton, we were living in Southampton at that time, um, and we watched Canberra come back from the Falklands, which was really amazing. So it, it's a very sea-orientated uh, area, and then you've got Hamble just up, uh, sort of about 10 miles up the road, which is huge on yachting and cows across the other side, so, so it's, it's all about ships. Yeah. So how long have you lived in Portsmouth? Have you lived there all your life? Uh, in this area all my life. Yeah, my mum came from Portsmouth. Um, she moved out to the countryside in the war. Um, she then started building Spitfire wings um, because the supermarine factory had got bombed in Southampton. Um, the Spitfire was actually its first maiden flight was out of Southampton Airport. Um, it was designed by RJ Mitchell. Uh, going back to sort of the Schneider trophy days. Uh, and so there's a, a lot of history in this area, both for uh, flight and, you know, for ships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you I mean, you, you describe yourself as a, a trans woman, feminist trans activist on your, in your website. Yes, I do. Um, I, it's, I started to become a, an activist literally only 10 months ago. Um, it feels a lot longer. I've learned an awful lot. Uh, and what motivated me was the uh, Liz Trust speech on, I think it was April the 22nd. On the GRA. Yeah, when it, when it looked like that trans rights were going to um, go backwards, basically. And I've got my adopted daughter, I call her my adopted daughter. She is an activist. Um, she's worked for lots of charities. She, she works for a political party at the moment, the Labour Party. Um, and so I just said to her, you know, this really looks bad. And she said, well, you know, you, you know what I do. <laughs> Get off your bum and start doing things. So, so, I mean, what's your definition of an activist? What, what makes you an activist? Um, well, I guess I'm in the mix. <laughs> Uh, the, my first thing was to build a website um, and the purpose of the website is a little bit different from perhaps others. Yes, currently it's about me, but I am actually trying to expand that out to other people um, because I would like, you know, when I eventually pass, which hopefully, you know, decades away, but you never know, yes, um, that... Uh, it's for the community, so I'm starting now to get on board some co-editors. Um, and the whole idea of the website was very much about trying to centre it and centre ground for society. So what I mean by that is if you've got, you know, a gender critical, um, they are going to be looking at certain websites. They're going to be looking at WPUK, or Fair Play for Women, um, or FILA, or you know, one of those websites. Yeah. They are not going to be looking at pink news. And if you're in the LGBT plus camp, you're going to be looking at pink news. Um, I would move that's where we don't actually need to be. We need to be a mainstream society. Um, and by being in mainstream society, we, we need to have a website that 
got all sorts of articles. Um, so on my website, I've got crazy things like how to get rid of toenail fungus, for example. <laughs> um, and the whole idea one, yeah. Is, yeah, you don't want it. Um, <laughs> so the whole idea is that someone in society is saying, you know, sorry, I've got phone toenail fungus and it's a real pig to get rid of. You cannot believe how hard it is to get rid of toenail fungus. Um, so they search the website and they come across my website, hopefully the community website, um, and they see that, hey, trans people have toenail fungus as well. And at the bottom of the page, there's like, will you read the home page um, about the problems that trans people have in this country? Because let's face it, you know, we are 30, 40 years behind gay people, you know, the the yes. same arguments are being used against us now that were used against uh, you know our gay brothers and sisters yeah. going back decades ago um and obviously society now except gay people there's what 45 46 uh, gay mps hope they're gay mps uh, there's obviously no trans mps there's yeah. um, which is a I think a, a tragedy, you know, because we can look across to Belgium, we can see Petra de Suter, for example, uh, as Deputy Prime Minister coming out with being trans is just a small part of me, which I thought was a brilliant quote. Um, and we're nowhere near that sort of level here. You know, there's a there's a few trans councillors. Um, even then, you know, you can count them on one hand. I mean, if you, if you were to ask me how many people do I know who want to become um, MPs that are trans, I, I can't think of any except Eddie, Eddie Izzard. Yeah, but, you know, we, if we're 1% society and there's 650 uh, MPs, there should be six trans people. Yeah. You know, yeah. and unfortunately, we were the last out of the LGBT closet because Stonewall, quite rightly, were, were pushing for gay people. Um, and now they don't need to. They, you know, Stonewall needs to be pushing for trans people because uh, we are a long, long way behind. And I know the gender crits say, oh, it's all about trans. Yes, it is all about trans. And it should be all about trans because at the end of the day, we are not accepted. Gay people were accepted. Yeah, we we're are still not. catching up. Yes, exactly. We're still catching up. So it's a huge injustice, and and I absolutely hate injustice. Um, I hate, always hated racism. I always hated homophobia, uh, and so in consequence, I'm going to fight for it. <laughs> it's, it's as simple as that, really. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so hence my website. So your website is called stephsplace.uk. Indeed it is, yeah. And you also have a blog in there. Yep, I don't blog where you, every day. Where you write lots of articles about very interesting topics, some of them which we'll talk about later on. Yes, I do. Um, I do investigative writing as well. It's, um, I've worked with some of the top journalists in my life. Um, on... so are, you, are you a journalist as well? Then? Um, well, I am a journalist, but I don't... <sighs> I don't brag about it. I tend to I tended to be work alongside journalists. I've done lots of research. Um, 
my wife, uh, Jen, was actually a qualified information scientist for the oh, global yeah. company. So she taught me rather a lot. Um, and that's going back 20 odd years ago, you know, pre-internet where we were going off to the British Library, researching different subjects. Uh, the internet obviously has made things so much better. Um, but Where would we yes, be? I'm, let's put it this way, I like digging. So you would call yourself an investigative? Yeah, yeah. I've been on that sort of side of things um, for some decades. You, you mentioned in your website that you trained as a hairdresser. Indeed, yeah. Well, of course, this is the girly bit in me, isn't it? <laughs> um, so is this when you were in your 20s? Sort of that kind of yeah, age? I mean, my earliest memory is sort of going back to when I was four or five, right. um, asking my mum if I could wear my sister's skirt, which she very kindly allowed. And she even got a safety pin because it was too big for me, so I could just dance in a skirt. Um, and then I started uh, nicking my sister's clothes and hiding them under the floorboards because uh, we, we lived in an old cottage and we had broken floorboards in my bedroom. So was it just you and your sister? Yes, it was. Two of you, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so and then it kind of got to the stage of looking at my sister in a girl guide uniform and thinking, oh my God, that should be me. Um, yes. And she was going off to guides, and I was going off to football, being the last one hit. <laughs> um, I remember absolutely, really, really well. I was playing netball with the girls one day, and we both, I, you know, the girl jumped for the ball, and I jumped for the, the ball, and she needed me where I didn't need to be need. Um, so I got carried off from the netball court, which is a <laughs> which don't happen very often, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. you know, football fields possibly, but not netball courts. I was absolutely creased up with the head mistress. Um, picked me up and took me off to a study and put me in, his, in the sick chair. Um, and then I had sort of uh, mainly girlfriends at school. Um, not all, but you know, I like mixing the girls. So it was, I had a friend at school called Anne and we were, saying oh what jobs you want to do and I was always a bit creative um, I could probably do woodwork better than I could metal work you know so but I really wanted to do sewing and cooking <laughs> truth but in those days you weren't allowed the boys went off and the girls it was very strict in those days wasn't it oh absolutely I, so think it must be, I... I mean you're you're a little bit older than me I'm, I was born mid 50s uh, sorry mid 60s I think you were born mid 50s is that right I was born in 1952. Yeah, so I remember at school, you know, it was always very along boy-girl line, all the activities like that. There was no, Absolutely. you weren't allowed to do anything other than. No, you weren't. No. You know, it was, um, the, I think as I was leaving, they were just starting to talk, of course it was called cookery or domestic science in those days. Domestic sciences, yeah. Um, and they, they were just bringing in the option that, uh, also known as home economics, I believe. Indeed, yeah, I think you're correct. Yeah. Um, and I think the they were just bringing in that boys could do it, but of course you you have this stereotyping. Yeah. So 
to go off with the girls, you had to be really, really There was not many boys doing that. <clears throat> no. So when I went off to hairdressing, there was about 63 girls and, and two or three boys. Uh, well, three boys to be exact, but one dropped out quite quickly. Um, so I was surrounded with girls um, and uh, that was a two year course, uh, which I passed City and Guilds. Uh, and then went on to work in a hair salon and then went on to work for a couple of, well, three in, in total uh, hairdressing companies that did cosmetics. And I was actually sort of a technician, so I used to go to different salons. So these big, well-known salons? Yes, in, yeah, yeah, I used to go to big salons and, you know, I ended up working for uh, Unilever, who had a, a division in those days um which i think they've now abandoned or sold off but it was sort of one of the big brands at one time they were very difficult to work with they were very demanding um but unilever owns lots from sausages to chemicals you know yeah. <laughs> they were easy let's put it that way um and then i dropped out and started a, a career in uh, health and safety for kids really mm. to start all again um, and I was involved in that for some 35 years uh, and again worked with some really top people um, I guess the most uh, famous is a guy called Professor Peter Fleming um, I worked with him for a time he, he's attributed to saving 100,000 babies lives he was uh, to do with the, what was called the Back to Sleep campaign, where uh, if you go back 30 years ago, babies, when they were born, they were actually put on their tummies uh, because everyone thought that was the best position to, to overcome cot death. Um, it's now called sudden infant death syndrome. Um, and Peter Fleming uh, came up with an idea that if you put babies on their backs, that it would actually cut cop death. And of course, parents didn't like doing it at that time, but he did an experiment down in, or a trial down in Bristol, where he's, he's only retired from the last few years. And it got a lot of publicity because one of the journalists, Anne Diamond, lost her baby through cop death. It was quite common. Yeah. Um, so he was, he's actually called God. Oh, they called him God at, at Bristol uh, Hospital. Um, everyone turned around and said, oh, Peter's God. So, remarkable man. And unfortunately, all he got was an OBE out of it, which is pretty rubbish for saving 100,000 lives. Oh, yeah, it is. That's yeah. pretty rubbish. So, in your capacity as a health and safety person, you were working together? Um, yeah, I did health and safety for, for children, basically. Right. Um, lots of different things. Um, and I guess the, the biggest thing I ever done was um, I did uh, a global conference, I was a lead speaker um, and an international car seat conference for ICRT, which is basically uh, all the different consumer magazines across the world, uh, looking at safety for kids. Uh, so yeah. I specialised in areas around that as well. 
Also fire retardants is a, another thing that I've really, really got into uh, that's <sighs> causes so much health issues uh, in kids. Uh, all the asthma that we see today, for example, the psoriasis really only started coming to the surface when we came out with the furniture and fire regulations in the late 1980s. Uh, and fire retardants are very, very dangerous things. People think they're great, uh, that they stop fires. Um, and initially they do, but then what happens is they create lots of smoke um, lots of toxicity. So if you look at something like Grenfell, um, the reason why so many people actually died was sadly not just the, the cladding on the outside of the building, it was also very much to do with the furniture inside that is designed to be fire retardant to a point, uh, but once it sets light, I'm afraid it's pretty horrible stuff. Yeah. So with, with fire retardants, is it because of the materials used or the fact that they kind of spray the furniture too? With the um, well, yeah, what they do, the, the Furniture and Fire Act, Furniture and Fire Regulations are a scandal. Um, what happened is in the, in the 1980s, uh, lots of people were dying in home fires. So and, and the reason why they were occurring was people were falling asleep uh, in their sofa, in their armchair. And invariably in those days, lots of people smoked. And the people that were smoke, smoking were basically putting their cigarette down on the sofa and they were catching light. And the phone was toxic um, and also very flammable. And in consequence, lots of people died of host fires. The government decided they wanted to do something about it. And there was two fire officers um, who uh, decided that cigarettes were to blame. Uh, so, which was true, um, but they were the ignition source. But rather than saying it was the ignition source of the problem, they then turned around and said, hey, yeah, it's cigarettes, but it's the, it's the furniture that's a real problem. You're not going to stop people from smoking cigarettes. Um, let's come out with furniture that's uh, not going to burn. And the government rushed this all through. And unfortunately, they don't only include uh, the furniture, they decided that they were going to put it in anything that contained a child. So that meant things like car seats and uh, push chairs, they even push chairs that were used outside, put flame retardant on. So over the years, those flame retardants have started to get into people's systems. It's now in mother's breast milk, for example. And what's the real scandal of it is that Newsnight, two or three years ago, suddenly discovered that these two fire officers, um, who in all good faith uh, were going around and saying furniture's to blame, were actually being manipulated by lobbyists in the cigarette industry who didn't want to come out with self-extinguishing cigarettes. So this is real big brother stuff from America. It's uh, the big cigarette companies from America um, who were wanting to blame furniture 
So in consequence, all kids got uh, are now suffering from the effects of toxic uh, sprays that's made furniture to be flame retardant. Yeah. Um, when it could have been sorted at the cigarettes end by just having the cigarettes itself extinguished. So it's it's would a have been a much safer way of doing it. Much much safer. Yeah. Wow. So kids out there suffering because. So is this still going on today with the issue? Yeah, it's it's not actually being raised. Wow. It's one of those stories. Newsnight came out with the uh, with the story that cigarette people done it, but they never carried on as regards to the toxicity of uh, flame retardants. They stopped. Um, so on my it's website, a fascinating I, subject you bring up there. Yeah, well, I've got the full story on my website, um, and I hoped to raise awareness on it. It's obviously not. So you've written about this on your website? Yes, I have. Okay, I shall have a read of that. Sounds very interesting. So, I mean, I guess for today, I mean, the safest kind of furniture would be maybe something that's just using natural products like wood yeah, and leather. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's rather strange that in America they followed, or not, the state of California actually followed their lead and, and said, well, the Brits are right. We, we want flame retardant furniture. And about two or three years ago, they turned around and said, hey, all this stuff got to be burnt. <laughs> and they did. They burnt it um, because they realized Massachusetts has also recently come out with uh, laws regarding fire retardancy. Um, in the UK, they sat on their bums and afraid. So this is kind of related to the work I used to do with aircraft interiors. Mm. You remember the uh, Manchester Airport fire back in the was it the eighties? I think. Yeah. Um, was it like when a Trident or, or a one? I don't remember what aircraft it was, but you know the fire got into the cabin. Yes. And it's the smoke in the cabin which kills people, not really yeah. the fire itself. Oh. So you know after that period with with aircraft interiors design there was lots of new regulations around what materials you can use what materials you can't use yeah. you have to do all this fire flame toxicity testing on seat materials mm -hmm. but you know in an aircraft you, you wouldn't be exposed to the seat on a you know like a daily basis because you don't live in the aircraft you live at home so i'm sure some of the chemicals are used you know on seating like that it's probably not good to be exposed to long term but it's safe in an aircraft flight environment yeah but yeah it's, it's a fascinating topic because you know some of the chemicals which come off those foams they use in aircraft seating are you know pretty pungent pretty aren't toxic they? <laughs> yeah mm. yeah uh, you know they're, they're continuously improving the regulations even today you know to reduce the chance of it catching fire and then whatever fumes it gives off so yeah fascinating subject I shall read your article. <laughs> you you also have um, is it six kids? Yeah, I've got three kids from my first marriage with Lynn, um, and then two stepdaughters, and then an adopted right. daughter. Um, all of them are doing really really well. They've all been very supported of me. Um, three of them in particular, amazing. Oh, you know, the, the the real activists, trans activists themselves. Um, so <clears throat> I've been really lucky with my kids. Yeah. Um, they one works in the city, one's a civil servant. 
Um, one works in the NHS, one's a school teacher, um, one works uh, as a, almost a director of a company. Uh, and then the last one uh, is in politics. So, so I'm yeah. assuming these are all grown up kids, probably in their 30s, 40s. Yes, they are 30s, 40s, yes. Yeah. yeah. And you're currently married to Jen. That's right. Now, when you when you went through your transition, how was how supportive were, were your family? Well, I've had a lot of problems, but this this is an age thing, isn't it? You know. Yeah. Um, it's very much easier to to transition when you're old, and you you know you've got supportive kids around you. Um, when it's much younger, it's much more difficult. You know. It's, that said, I think. Parents these days are very supportive of kids. I mean, recently I spoke to uh, about 15 trans kids and something like 40 trans parents. So parents of trans kids in Huddersfield area. Um, we, we had sort of like a session, a Zoom session with them. And it was amazing how supportive the, the parents were, you know, and they were also, this was just after the Kira Bell case. And yeah. um, they were obviously, a lot of them both, panicky as well you know what's going to happen about puberty blockers and things like that um some of some of them with a gender gp and sadly the the doctors had suddenly turned around and said oh no we're not going to the gp suddenly turned around and said no we're going to assist um there were some pretty horrible stories yeah. uh it's been a messy time for kids and i feel for them because really has. society's the young, younger generation are very accepting of, of gay kids, they're very accepting of trans kids, you know. When we, we look at the gender critical, um, the bottom line is that there is a, uh, there is a, um, how can I put this politely, white, middle class and old. Yeah, I was going to say, most of the, anybody in the 20s, 30s, and maybe some, some 40s, totally supportive. When you start getting into upper 40s and 50s, Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's where you and, start seeing the problems. Yeah, exactly. And of course, more right wing as well. Although, yeah. Yeah. Um, say you look at the Tories, the, the, the Tories do, are do very to... um, anti-trans. You know, we, we, yeah. we see that in government, don't we? We see we the trust and how she's let down trans yeah. people. You know, it's 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 shocking. Awful. It's it extremely shocking what what trans people were promised. Um, and what we've ended up with, you know, when you have a, a public consultation that was done over many months and then they take the best part of two years to uh, look at and then decide, well, we're not going to do anything after 108,000 people put in um, their views. That's wholly yeah. ignorant um, of feeling. Uh, it's, it's shocking. Um, the intensity, as I mentioned to you, anything that's um, an injustice, then I'll scream, and, and that's an injustice. So this really is the basis for your website, is to you know respond to all this kind of you know crazy stuff that's going on in the UK and the US. Yeah, you know, around I, I trans rights and stuff. I mean, I you know, the erosion of human rights is currently is is quite shocking. Well, it is, you know, we're, we're seeing it and, and also an abortion as well, of course. Yeah, I mean, it's not just going to be 
trans, it's, you know, it's going to spread into all kinds of this is a real sad you know, things, thing. abortion and all kinds of women's issues. Yeah. What what the unfortunately what the gender crits uh, don't realise that the same people that are supporting um, or, or basically attacking trans people are exactly the same people that's attacking women's rights. Well, if you look at the lawyers behind these things, it's always the same people. Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> you know, we're looking at right-wing Christian uh, extremists yeah. from yeah. the States, you know. They're... Yeah, but they're funding what's going on in the UK too, you know. It's, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's difficult to track that one. I have looked at it. Um, and I have to say that the other side we rebuke this very much because I, I do talk to Turks. I do have to talk to Turks. Um, because as a journalist, I've got to write things um, that are accurate. Um, and I do have to take other people's views into account when I write. And indeed, when we look at uh, my, and I know we're going to be discussing it shortly, the, my trans crime article. Yeah. You know, my article, article comes out and says that Karen White was not trans. Um, that information came from a gender crit. Didn't come from a trans side, it came from a gender crit. Um, and there are some gender crits out there that are somewhat sympathetic to, to the trans side. Um, unfortunately, you know, we, I see myself as very much middle of the road. Um, I'm certainly not a stone thrower. Uh, and in consequence, sometimes I'll get hit from both sides to tell the truth. Um, but equally, as a journalist, I've got to talk to people whether I like them or not. Uh, and that's just the way that journalism works, you know. Well, you, I mean, you'd always hope that the, the good journalists are basing everything on truth. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and that's the absolute. And this, this is a very interesting point. You know, I, I came out with my trans and crime article. Um, and also previous to that, my trans and sport article. Yeah. And not one soul, not one soul has challenged it. Um, and they can't challenge it because it's all true. Yeah, I have read the the one you mentioned on crime. We'll talk yes, about that in a little while. I've not read the it other got, one, but... It got yeah, really um, good views. Yeah, um, I mean, it was a great article you wrote there. Yeah, they, um, I think Robin Moller-Wright said it was a powerful writing on a difficult subject. Um, Dawn Smith came out, uh, which is a Labour politician, said it was, uh, I can't remember her exact words, um, but very complimentary. But yeah, I've had some really good reviews out of it and I'm, I'm delighted with that. But the, yeah, the, yeah. the information on uh, Karen, Karen White well, should be known as Stephen Wood because he was not trans. Um, and indeed, I've, I've written to Stonewall, and and so you know, we need to correct this yeah. uh, because when you're on Twitter and you're talking about crime, um, the gender crits immediately go and hang Stephen White's. Uh, That's the first thing they throw in your face. Yeah, there's immediately under your nose. Oh, look at this terrible trans person that committed two 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 rapes. I think it was <clears throat> attacked. Uh, women stabbed a neighbor, yeah, you may well have done. You weren't trans when you done it, yeah. I said, the thing. didn't start being trans 
until he, he self-ID'd in prison, note the word self-ID'd, to get into the women's estate, where he subsequently started doing minor, and it was minor. Um, at the end of the day, he exposed himself. Well, a lot of women should have laughed at him, to be frank. You know, that's the best way to, to yeah. deal with people like that. Yeah. Um, and his, his other thing that he, he done, that he, you know, he went to and, and was pleaded guilty, was he got hold of a, another prisoner's hand, female prisoner, and put it on a boob and said, they're not real. Now, is that a nice thing to do? No, of course it's not. Um, but this is not rape. You know, it's an assault, but it's yeah. not rape. Um, but of course, the, the, the gender crits like to uh, as much leverage out of the out of that fact that he was in court and found guilty. Well, yeah, they like to throw that at us and twist the facts and yeah, come exactly. up with all kinds of other nonsense. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. Well, before we get into that any any deeper, can mm. we can we just talk about your involvement with the Labour Party? Yes. Because you did mention that. Yes. Before. I am so, the Labour Party. And I, I would have... Are you a member of the Labour Party? Are you, I am indeed, yes. You are, right. And you were originally involved with LGBT plus Labour LGBT. Yes. Um, I've done a full circle. Um, right. I was actually in the Tories for many years. So that uh, would have been during what? Um, pre... I was in... Pre, pre I was... I was in the Conservative Party when Margaret Thatcher was there. Oh, well, yeah, okay. That's going well. Um, and so it goes back a long way. And she was a very strong lady, you know, and she, um, <laughs> certain things she'd done was, was very good. And other things we can look back in history and we can turn around and say, God, they were awful. Um, but I came to give opinion over some period of time that there's more important things in life than money and the Tory party is about making people rich and it's a select few people to make rich and if you truly believe in social justice um, you're not at all now whether you're a green or you're a liberal or you're labor um, obviously would depend on your politics um, I joined Labour um, mainly because, in in all honesty, they're the only other credible party that can get into government. Um, am I pleased with how Labour are going at this moment? No, I'm not. Um, so when did you when did you join? What who was? I joined the Labour Party about five years ago. Five years ago, okay. Yeah. Um, I wasn't very active in their meetings because I was trans. Um, so in actual fact, for a long period of time, I didn't go. Um, I've become very vocal now <laughs> in the last last year or so. Um, uh, and I'm not the only trans woman in my constituency Labour Party. There's two of us. Um, one of them, Georgia, is actually standing for election, uh, for the council elections. Um, <clears throat> she's young. I'm obviously old. Um, and we've got there fair share of Turks um, in their party. Um, there's no doubt about that. Uh, and these are people that say they're left-wing and do I believe they're left-wing? No, I don't actually. I think this is just part of the 
the turf ideology. You know, like they like to talk about trans ideology. I'd rather talk about turf ideology um, because turfism. Yeah, it's turfism. It's nice, nice way of putting it. The transphobes. Uh, they will argue they are left wing. I would argue they're not. Um, so we've got those as well uh, that we have to deal with. But um, within the Labour Party, I'm in Labour LGBT plus, but um, more dominant, um, or, or certainly I take more uh, activism in Labour Trans Equality, which got launched you know, a few months ago. Um, which is an offshoot, really, of Labour LGBT. So are these both official kind of yeah. Labour organisations um, under the Labour umbrella? Yes. The um, Labour Trans Equality is, is classed as Friends of Labour. Um, and as the name sounds, it's all trans. Um, and we don't mean to spit that, split that out from LGBT. Um, but what... But what I've heard of LGBT is that there's a lot of transphobia going on in there. Um, there's certainly arguments, and I'm not aware of that. I, I, you know, I'm just a mere member. Um, yeah. I, I don't know what's happening in Labour LGBT. Um, they're certainly not active enough. There's no question about that, um, in my view, with regards to trans. Um, as I've mentioned to you, gay people are accepted, trans people are not. Um, so, at the end of the day, really, all the LGBT folks should be looking after the people that's behind. And the people that are behind in society are trans people. Um, gay people, as I mentioned, you know, there's 45 gay MPs. We don't care if anyone's gay anymore. We really don't. You know, heck, that's fine. Um, I've got gay friends. I've got gay friends that's got, got kids, adopted kids. Um, you know. So the two, the two groups that are kind of left behind are trans and you know, that includes non-binary. Yes, absolutely. Non-binary is even the worst situation than us. Yeah. Um, the, there's no question about that. Um, and I would, I would love to be able to see like on official documents um, where people's got the, the option of just putting a cross with other rather than a Mr. or Miss and you know at the end of the day um, there are people out there that and I'm indeed I've got a good friend um, who's definitely not binary you know she was a she and then she became a, a they and then she's she stuck right in the middle I mean bless her she hates going in ladies loo but she was born a native female uh, and there are more and more of these, you know, kids in particular um, that's coming out with identities, not as, as what you would stereotypically put, you know, when they were born, because younger people, as you mentioned, are very much more accepting of gender. Yeah. Older people, older people um, often say they don't have a gender. Um, I was talking to a pretty major turf yesterday <clears throat> who will actually insist she hasn't got an agenda. Um, so I'm sure she probably does because she's not trans. <clears throat> yeah, you know. um, that's, that's the situation of it. But they do understand about gender dysphoria. Um, 
and we do need to do with society an awful lot of education you know there's no question about that both but they, they just seem to be fixated on biological oh yeah male bibs. and female speech. yeah 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 believe in biological sex bibs um very much so <clears throat> do i yeah, care they, what they, sex they, i am no not really I mean, they, they can't look beyond that and understand that people have you know agenda exactly yeah and it's 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 a bit a bit annoying whether they do it on purpose or not i don't know but you know we are where we are with it it's difficult to understand the agenda of uh turfs a lot of the time because you know is it feminism it's not really feminism because no. what we're doing is not helping feminism uh, when you talk to the foot soldiers not the people at the top when you talk to the foot the foot soldiers actually they've invariably been abused they're abused women um i talked to one lass bless her she was lovely you know she was a turf but bless her she'd been raped by a partner over a hundred times in consequence she don't like men very much <laughs> can you blame her can't blame her can you no <clears throat> and in consequence she she sees me sadly as a man you know wanting to get into her world of safety and you can't when you if we look at nature um if 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 for example you know there's a load of fish out in the sea and suddenly a, a whale turns up what happens to those fish they all basically group together you know they get and it's exactly what's happening with um the I mean, foot yeah, it's definitely based on fear yeah it is based on fear <clears throat> and of course the top turfs know it so they play to it um we witnessed a couple of days ago um nicola Will williams from i think it's nicola williams uh from fair play for women given evidence to uh the women's inequality committee and she very sneakily came in with oh we know there's 160 trans people <clears throat> in prison and oh by the way 70 of them are sex offenders um because of course she don't want to quote my article which is really really teased me off because my article is true yeah um and she wanted to quote a stat um and that stat looks horrible you know at the end of the day it, it looks ghastly well you know it's down to how you present the facts and you know if you start using percentages and stuff exactly. like that it's all kind of you can it's very easy to twist it however you want oh it's, with, with stats you can always find some yeah. definitely yeah so trans equality then is that is that a spin-off kind of broke away from yeah LGBT? it's uh, you know we are all still part of lgbt labor um but we've got a different agenda you know their agenda is very much about trans equality. So we're about um, education, um, about getting a trans MP, um, yeah. getting as many trans uh, labour councillors as possible, um, and we're, we're driving a labour agenda um, with trans people at the end of the day. And, We've also got a, you know, we had to come up to a, a defence with um, uh, women's uh, labour declaration uh, as well, which is kind of our opposite number. So it's the, the gender crit side of yeah. 
uh, Labour. Um, and all political parties have got this problem, of course, you know, the Greens have got their fair share of gender crits, um, Tories are full of them. Um, that said, there are Tory MPs that are, you know, amazing allies to us. We can look at Crispin Blunt, for example, Nicola Richards, um, I think the guy's Paul Holmes from Eastleigh. Um, where Southampton Airport is, I think that's not being a Tory anymore. Uh, I can't remember, but certainly, you know, there are a number of Tory MPs that want self ID, for example. Um, so, do, are there are there similar, you know, trans equality groups within the Tories? I don't, I'm not aware there are. No, I think we're the only party that's got um, a dedicated. Uh, trans division yeah. um, and I would certainly urge anyone to to look at joining us in uh, Labour trans equality you know we've, we've had some amazing people join um, yeah, because there's no reason why you know Labour trans equality could work with conservative trans equality you've got similar issues if it's all about trans equality yeah, yeah, it's, it's, cross-party working it's, it's about mutual. it's about being trans and you know, we've, we've got some really good members that's joined, yeah. you know, Katie Neves from Court to Trans, um, who does an amazing job. She was out there before me, bless her. Yeah, I'll be um, interviewing Katie in a couple of weeks' time, actually. Yeah, so you've got, you've got Katie. You've also got Kat Burton. Now, Kat Burton, um, who's chair of uh, Jairus, um, of course, was an airline pilot. Yeah. Um, yeah. And... I think she was an airline pilot for about 30, 40 years, senior pilot VA. She transitioned from VA. Um, I think her last flights was on 747s. So I think she started off with Picard Viscounts. So she goes back a long way with Cambrian Airways. Um, she gave evidence to the Women's Equality Committee, you know, what, month or six weeks ago. This is when they were listening to the trans side of the yes, exactly. She was amazing. You know, I, I felt if there's two people that's been absolutely, you know, from the trans side that has been outstanding, one would be Kat Burton and the other would be uh, Moira White. You know, she's Robin Moira White. She's done phenomenal from uh, Old Square Chambers and she was responsible for uh, the victory against Land, uh, Jaguar Land Rover uh, going back uh, right. some time ago. Yeah. Um, and also got a book coming out. She'd be great for a podcast if we get her. Oh, yeah. If you can um, get her on here, that would be interesting. Um, I can have words by all means. So, I mean, who else is in that grouping of. Uh, um, well, we've got Anne. There must Wynn. be some quite well known people in there. Yeah, I think the first. Um, the first. Uh, Labour councillor, trans councillor, was Andy Newston um, in Wolverhampton. Oh, right. He's one of the co-sponsors. Um, there's, I mean, the best to go onto a website to read all the uh, CVs of the, yeah. the founders. Um, but there's uh, Osh. There's yeah, there's, there's several of them. Heather, Heather Pito, who's a scientist. Um, uh, she's well known in regards to labour circles. So there's yeah, some good people joining. And I would certainly encourage, you know, any of your listeners to 
um, yeah. look at labor transit problems. So how would, how would you join that organization? Um, you just send to admin at the moment because the council elections on the, the websites not progressed as much as we want to. Um, but it's all work in progress. And once the elections are over, it's going to be forced in. So do you have to be a Labour Party member? I don't think you do. You, but you uh, can join this uh, trans quality. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think there's a membership criteria as far as I'm aware. <laughs> I mean, because it is, it's interesting to know like people like me who, you know, I'm not, I'm not well known at all, but I'd like to get more kind of involved where I can. Mm. You know, joining an organisation like that may give me some opportunities to do that. So, you know, it's interesting to know how do you how do you join and then, you know, what what is going on in those organizations yeah. in terms of projects you can get involved with? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we've all got to, you know, shout and do our bit. Because we've all got to do as much as we can, really. Yeah, exactly. We do. So I'll, I'll definitely look into that, see if I can get my name on the list. Okay. <laughs> Be very interesting. Um, okay, let, we we spoke about your transition journey yeah. a little bit. Do you want to tell us how it all started? And well, I know, was, I know you're a late transitioner, similar to me. Well, yeah, but I was trans. Well, I was a cross-dresser one night, you know, there was a straight division to when you're trans. You're trans when you decide that you're not going to stay on the other gender. Yeah, oh, exactly. Um, when I say transition, I mean, yeah. When, you, when did you come out and let, let the world know? Kind of thing. Well, my, the, obviously my partners knew all the way through. So, um, I mean, they've known ever since you met them? Yes, 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 yes. Right from day one? Yes, yes, yes. yes. We used to it makes things way much easier. With, with Lynn, we used to go shopping. We used to have a whale at the time. Um, and she had a, a, a dress, a cross-dressing agency. So she made a business right. out of it. So there was lots of trans people used to go along, all sort of cross-dressers. Um, go along and, uh, you know, be a woman for half a day or whatever. And indeed, when our marriage split up, she went off with a cross-dresser. Um, I was left with three kids to look after. So I was a single mum and dad for a year. So you had a, you had a business together doing that? Yes, we did. Yeah. Um, the, she, she mainly dealt with that side of things. You know, I was doing other things at the time, but she used to do the makeup and the wigs and take people shopping. Um, and then sadly, she fell in love with one of her customers after 27 years. Um, but these things happen. Um, and then, of course, sadly passed a few years after we split up. But I looked after three kids. My, my daughter was only seven um, when Lynn left. Uh, so I had a hard time as a single parent um, yeah. with a spell. And then met, met Jen, and when I got to my late fifties, um, I just see my life slipping by. If I'm really honest, you so know. was there a kind of a, a light bulb moment for you? Yeah, you, you. I think you just get to the point when you can't bear it anymore. Um, yeah. I always used to be able to spin in my brain that I was special, that I could be male or female, uh, and I've always been lucky that I can pass quite well. I don't have an issue with my passing. Um, I've always had quite a high voice. Um, have I had voice training since? Yes, but that's more for singing now because I love singing. Um, so I've got a singing teacher now, but originally I had a, 
And they, so, I mean, that must help a lot with the voice coaching side of it. Yes, it do. Yeah. Um, I can't recommend highly enough um, Louise Milner Smith in Woking. She does online uh, lessons. She worked with the NHS for a long time. And then, of course, the NHS. She's, is she linked in your website? Oh, she is, yeah. I've got a I think on your resources page. page. I thought I saw <laughs> yeah, her name. Yeah, she yeah. yeah she's, she's an incredible lady. Um, loves trans people. She's been doing it for a very long time. Um, so she helped as well. Uh, so as regards to voice. Um, but the transition story, well, I had no problems getting hormones. I, I went and saw Stuart Lorimer. Um, so did you did I mean did you approach a GP and try to get um, in with the GIC through, and all that? Initially, I went through Gender Care in London. I went privately through London as well as well. Initially, I was on the GIC, waiting for a GIC uh, appointment. Gave up very quickly after a year and said, "Can't handle this." Yeah, it's not um, it too long. So went off to Gender Care. I was on hormones within a matter of three weeks. Yeah, very quickly um and it kind of grew from there i guess and, and hormones do change your brain you know they they, they do make more feminine so you stuck with gender care and no not all the way through um i stuck with gender care until i got refused surgery through gender care unfortunately refused surgery well wow. yeah they didn't feel i was feminine enough <laughs> when you look at my pictures it's a bit hard to do um hard to fathom isn't it but they of course they work to but that's a private us. that's a private yeah i know i know but it doesn't do that process and then they won't approve you for surgery they, they work to, to war past standards and they didn't feel i was ticking the box um so i went to gender gp um and so was this was this the stage where you're trying to get your referral letters yeah i, I, I basically surgical referral letters yeah exactly i was at the stage of one surgery um best day of my life i would listen to that i had surgery best day of my life um but it was a fight it was a huge fight especially given i had prostate issues my dad had died uh, of prostate cancer um i had very valid reasons for having surgery requiring surgery both medical as well as my, my trans side of things yeah um, and it was one hell of a fight and this is what really makes me cross about, uh, you know, with the gender crits and say, the kids, all the kids can go off and then get surgery at will. No, you can't. <laughs> you know, I was <clears throat> into my 60s and I had to fight like how to get surgery. Um, and it's only thanks God for gender GP because I was really at a low ebb at the time um, that they, I got a, uh, I think initially I spoke with Mike Weberly, who gave me a letter to, yes, he, uh, he agreed that I had gender dysphoria. Yeah. Then I had uh, with Marion Oakes, um, and then I was sent off entirely separately um, to a, a psychiatrist within Bupa. And this is what really annoys me, again, with um, the gender crits. You know, they turned around and said it was all internal. Well, mine wasn't internal. When it, when it came to having a psych, uh, psychiatry report, it was done through Bupa um, or a Bupa psychiatrist, to be exact. Um, and 
I was very quickly accepted for, for surgery and then I had to find a surgeon to do it, of course. Um, and I was his first trans patient, rather amazingly. Um, and so eventually I got off to a, uh, another surgeon and I got my surgery on the 2nd of July, 2019. Um, as I mentioned, it was amazing. Uh, it was just with the sheer relief. Uh, I cannot explain. Yeah. Just cracking. So, I mean, you had to pay for all that privately. It must have been quite My transitions. Expensive thing. Incredibly. Over 10 years, £30,000. Yeah, easy. Hmm. I mean, I, I've, you know, I've, I've used gender GP during the early stages because I was on the GIC waiting list for two years. You know, just, just to get started with hormones, I, I went with gender GP during that period. I mean, they, they are great. They do see you quickly and it's not too expensive. Mm. And you can get, you know, to start hormone treatment, I would say typically within three months of signing up with them or contacting them, yeah, going through their process. Um, I mean, without that, I would have been lost, yeah, um, you know, waiting all that time. And then recently I've switched over to Indigo, which is the new, these pilot study GICs in Manchester. Mm. And that's really been amazingly quick. You know, I've got through the first two appointments within six weeks of each other, which is unheard of in normal GICs. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I'm, I'm really hoping that the roll out this pilot across the whole country because yeah. I'm, you know, I'm really very much aware that most trans people in the system, they're not going to get that under the current GIC, you know, process. It's, yeah. it's very much a, a, um, a postcode lottery. Yeah, it is. It is. Healthcare, yeah. trans healthcare is a disgrace. Yeah, it space. is. It really is. Mm. Um, you know, but, you know, your, your approach to switch, I mean, you're not going to say no. No, so of course I, not. I switched and um, hopefully that released a place for somebody who was with Sheffield who couldn't yeah. switch. Yeah. You know, so, you know, 700 people have gone into Indigo, which has hopefully reduced the queues in some of the mm. local GICs, you know, where they came from. Yeah. But, you know, obviously it's not enough. We, we need we need Indigos in every city in the country. Um, Indeed, yeah. You know, how how do we get there? I don't know. Have you got any thoughts on that? Well, the, what they're doing in Wales is really positive. What the, They've set up a system there that's been done up by Sarah Quinney, Dr. Sarah Quinney, um, where basically the GPs are in pods. So they've got online training for GPs. Um, so on my website, on my website, I've got uh, on the menu, the top menu on the the horizontal menu there's yeah. uh, a page for gps um which gives details about what's happening in in wells um which is, is online uh training courses for gps there's lots of information on my website for gps even down to an article from leighton seal which you know, he's one of the top endocrinologists in, in the world uh, that he published sort of some time back. But there was no reasons why 
a GP cannot look after a trans patient. They do not need to be sent off to a gender identity clinic. Well, that, that's how Indigo is operating. It's, you know, it's based on local GPs within Greater Manchester. Yeah. So they, they don't have a location that you go to. No. You know, it's the, the, the care has been put into the GP surgeries. Yeah. I mean, you can't actually go to them at the moment because of COVID, but mm. it's all done online. But yeah. um, that's the idea when it, you know, yeah, exactly. COVID, which and, is much better. Yeah, and it, sh it should be. Every city should have a, a gender GP, <laughs> but not a gender GP. A gender um, GP or an indigo gender, or some yeah, organisation that can give you treatment within the yeah, time. Um, and it's not rocket science. To... It's not rocket science because, I mean, those, I mean, I've been through the two, um, you know, appointments and there's, there's nothing majorly complicated going on in those appointments. No, exactly. You know, it's just you're telling your, you know, your transition story and yeah, exactly. You know, it's all it's all very straightforward. Why yeah. why have to wait two, three, four, five years to do that? Yeah, well, you do exactly. not know. Exactly, exactly, exactly. No question about it. Um, we've got to get trans healthcare better. We've got to get the GRA sorted. We've got to be accepted in society. We've got lots of battles. We'd spoken about um, your crime article. Do you want? Do you want to <laughs> tell yeah. us the the ins and outs of that? Because yeah, it was a fascinating sure. read. Um, well, as I mentioned, I really hate injustice, and fair play for women and their statistic. You know, of uh, all these trans sex offenders um, was clear persecution. You know. Nicola Williams went out looking for trouble um, and she got the stat that she wanted and I wanted to find out the truth basically um, the first thing that hit was per thousand prisoners in, in prison um, only 1.6 per thousand is trans so just a little bit of background information for the listener if you have a gender recognition certificate yeah that does that affect which prison you would go to yes and no right um if i had a gender not that i'm planning any crimes or anything no no exactly well well let's pretend i am <laughs> <laughs> i'll take the blame on this one Vicky. um if i went off to prison tomorrow <clears throat> i would be put in the mail estate because i do not have a gender recognition certificate right so is that an automatic thing because you don't have that still yes we're automatically going to yes mail um however um within 14 days they are meant to be holding a, an inquiry basically it's a local transgender board um and there i can put my case that i am trans and depending on what my offense would be um if it was fraud the chances are I'd be put on women's estate. So this is this is done with every person going into prison. They do this. Yeah, but basically, you can request a move, can you? You can request. Um, it depends kind of on like a, present, It depends on your history. Kind of like a risk assessment for, yes, against exactly. the individual. Yeah, okay. exactly right. If I had a gender recognition certificate, I would go to the female estate. However. The fact that I have a gender recognition certificate does not guarantee I would be kept on the female estate. 
So if you had a gender recognition certificate and your crime was um, sexual, sexual related, they would chances are they wouldn't put you in the female prison anyway. Exactly. Yeah, it, it comes down to your offence. So it comes down to your risk based on your offence. Yeah, it's it's down to risk as you mentioned. Um, <laughs> I mean that sounds that sounds okay to me. That sounds yeah, and reasonable. I, I think it, I think largely it is reasonable. Um, the real problem comes down to, unfortunately, the training within the, the prison service is very poor. Um, and the people that sit on these boards um, have literally done an e-course on yeah. being fans. So they spent um, 10 minutes looking at this. Yeah, it's, it's an e-learning course. So there aren't many trans prisoners. As I mentioned, there's, a, there's only 1.6 per thousand. Um, so in consequence, uh, I think there's like about 120 prisons across the uh, England and Wales. Um, they're, they're scattered amongst something like 40 different prisons. They don't see trans, you know, some, some jails don't see a trans prisoner at all. Uh, so if they're suddenly presented with one, they don't really know what to do because they're not trained. Um, the nice part about only being 1.6 per thousand is that of course we represent 1% of society. And the fact that we're 1% of, of society should mean for every thousand prisoners, there should be 10 trans, but there's not, there's 1.6. So from that- So that would suggest that we're a, well, a very well-behaved bunch. Indeed. And as we're playing the percentage game, exactly the same as fair play for women, uh, we can turn around to fair play for women and say, actually, cisgender people commit crime at the rate of six times that of a trans person. Would you like to sort that one? And does that apply uh, to trans women and men equally? Um, you only get figures for trans. So, so it's, not, it's not defined as whether you're talking it's about... Not. No, it's not. Um, when we start looking at the sex offenders, what we then find um, that there's actually three different groups. So are you talking trans yes. or... yeah when we when you look at nicola williams um trans sex offenders what she labels as trans sex offenders um or indeed the prison service to be exact you know because she's not telling any lies there um <clears throat> but they label them as trans you know you've got these 70 trans sex offenders okay um however when you look at it in reality, there's three separate groups. You have got your genuine trans, um, and they're around 20 at this moment in time in prison that are genuinely trans. Then you're left with another 50. Those 50 are split between two different groups. Some are just uh, cross-dressers uh, who self-identified to get into women's estate or try to get on women's estate. And the others are sex offenders who, for reasons of their own safety, um, want to be on the women's estate because you want to be in prison being a sex offender. And hey, even if you can't get close to being a natal woman, natal female, if you can get close to a trans woman, <clears throat> that's pretty damn good for a sex offender. And I would moot that is the reason why uh, a trans person in prison 
gets uh, sexually assaulted once every 33 days. Um, I believe the rate, uh, I've been told, now I have not checked this out, but I've been told by uh, someone who's also interested in this subject, the chance of being sexually assaulted in prison if you're trans, it's eight times higher than if you're cis. Now, is that being assaulted by um, just a general male prison yes. population? Yeah, yeah. Because you don't say that they're trans. Yeah, 84% of trans women are in male estate. So a high percentage are in male estate. Um, there's very few in female estate. So this this number, you know, you, you, you say it was 60? Uh, there's seven there's 70 i mean obviously you get people coming in and out um but at the time when the statistics were done Perhaps. it was 70 and of that from what we can discover 20 are, are genuinely trans right now, so the other the other 50 oh, are, yeah. are just you know saying that cross, they're trans cross, just cross, to cross dressers or or sex to get the benefits of being yeah a trans of course person. if you if you're if you're in the female estate you can wear your own clothes if you're in the male estate, you've got to wear a prison uniform. If you're in the female estate, you can get little perks. So it's a bit like a currency. It's like a jail yeah, currency. Yeah, exactly. It's a currency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a a trans man that I talk to regularly. Um, his name's Dalton Harrison, um, and Dalton's got the um, he was in prison for four years, um, and he was in prison at the time, uh, pretty much of Karen White, uh, Stephen Wood. Um, and of course, what my article discovered from what was said in court was that Karen White was not trans. Uh, what she basically did, she played the prison system, which so at that Karen time, White would be one of these 50. Yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Karen Wright, uh, at the time, uh, the, the, the prison services changed their uh, since you know when when uh, Karen White's did her offence, they they changed their system. But at that time, self ID meant you went onto the women's estate. So <clears throat> he basically did started his rape in two thousand and three. Um, finally got to court in twenty eighteen, sentenced, um, and whilst he was on remand, he wasn't actually prosecute they wasn't convicted at that time he was on remand um he's turned around and said i'm trans so they moved him off to female estate and in so female prior estate, to that time there was no indication i can't find anything at all and oh, it's pretty and, much and, fake. And, and indeed the the prosecution makes that case you know um they they turn around two or three times to uh, stephen wood and say you are not trans well was was stephen wood when he was in you know, society, living in society? There's no, he, no, there's no there's evidence. No evidence. There's no evidence whatsoever. Just living as a normal... Yeah, just as a sex offender. Yeah. Um, and just use the system to get close to vulnerable people. You so know. Is, this, is this a known thing within, you know, prisons, prisons that you yes, can yes. do this to get this benefit? Yes, it is now. Um, I've got now confirmation from two prison governors two prison governors. Um, I can't get a better source than that. I have that. evidence of that's going on. I have evidence. Yeah. Wow. 
it's shocking isn't it it's um it's you know and then the turfs use that individual as an example of why indeed everyday normal and, trans women and, are and my argument would also be what? you know if i can find out why didn't the guardian find out or why did the times not find well, out? well they probably did but just didn't decide not to report it because it doesn't exactly it doesn't meet their uh, agenda does it no exactly right yeah exactly which right. is why we need more journalists like you because yeah. you're telling the truth yeah yeah i mean it's it's really shocking indeed so i mean where's that going what's what's going on um i can only raise it so far um I will carry on with, you know, as I get more information, I will obviously break it. I would like to think that, you know, a major journalist have come out with it one day. But I wouldn't bet you got bottom dollar on it because, you know, I come back to the furniture and fire eggs. Um, there's one hell of a story there. Press, press don't print it. But have you had any kind of feedback against what you've written? No. On that prison issue? No, never nothing no so you know they're obviously too scared to challenge it because they know it's true or uh, yeah i've got the links yeah so you, you know got <laughs> now you know you say the 70 now the other 20 who are trans yeah how do we know i mean devil's advocate how do we know they're trans um one of the people and i've got to be careful of my source yeah, no names no names no well i've got to be even more careful than that unfortunately um there are six um six or eight i can't remember now because it's such a long time i wrote the article um dedicated prisons in this country that was just for sex offenders um and i got information from one of the team inside the prison uh exactly what percentage were genuine trans because that person him or herself is trans and who can tell trans people best trans people yeah so genuine cases i mean yeah yeah um there's even been you, you're always going to be challenged on that fact well you know this is fine. the thing you know it's um like those those numbers people are going to try and challenge that yeah well if they i mean they, they, they which can is obviously why you've based it on fact well they can try but at the end of the day we can always fall back on the statistic from the ministry uh, of justice yeah that only 1.6 uh offenders in prison uh are trans so we can Im immediately put that ratio um against sex offending as well because there's no reason why trans people should any more be into sex offending than you know school teachers You've only got to look at football. Look at, you know, I think this last count was there was 31 names in professional football alone uh, of uh, predators. Well, I mean, there's, there's bad apples in every group, isn't there? I mean, it's, yeah, exactly. You know, you special can church, you can look trans at people. scouts, you can look at teachers. Yeah. Uh, it's endemic in society, unfortunately. Um, so the, you know, the, the trans prisoners who are not um, sexual offenders. Mm -hmm. What kind of crimes are they committing? Oh, it could be anything. Could be any old thing, just like the normal yeah, yeah. population of prisons. Unfortunately, with, with prisons, what you do tend to find is it's a revolving door. Um, so these are these will be for like completely non-trans related issues. Yeah, it could be shoplifting or anything. Yeah, any old thing. Um, 
one of the sad things that you do find with prisons is that if, if you look at natal women, for example, in prison, um, not looking at trans, but there's one prison report from the prison inspectorate uh, that quotes that 41% of women that are released from HMP Eastwood, which I believe is in Bristol, if memory serves me correctly, um, have not got a home to go to. So uh, I know of one existing, one lady is currently in prison um, and she has been sent to prison 17 times for, for petty offences because that is her home. So she comes out of prison, she goes to her mate, they do some drugs, she gets caught shoplifting, she's sent back to prison. This has happened 17 times. Um, so it's just a way of life. Yeah, and until we adopt the system that they've got in Norway, um, where they actually look after prisoners, and you know, in, in this country it costs something like £40,000 um, to house a prisoner. In Norway, it costs £90,000. And you'd think that's rubbish value. Um, but their re-offending rate in Norway. Well, yeah, if you look at the re-offending rate, it's good value, isn't it? It's it's crazy. It's cheap. People, people people don't go back in Norway because they come out of prison trained. Yeah. Hey. Uh, I mean, these are the kind of issues that maybe you know this trans equality labour yeah. could look into. Yeah, exactly. Get involved with. Should we should we talk about GRA reform? Yeah, just briefly, because I'm going to have to go there. Yeah, that's, yeah, I know, I've got my, yeah. my eye on the clock. <laughs> yeah, this, this time is it zips, doesn't it? It does. Um, yeah, um, so I'm working on ideas for GA, GRA before, um, because clearly things are not working. Uh, and without saying too much, you know, unfortunately, we've got to talk to the other side. Um, when you look back in history, all the conflicts that's been around, for example, in Northern Ireland, you know, you've got the Catholics, you've got to talk to the Protestants. And if you look in South Africa, all the white people had to talk to the black people. And in the Middle East, the Israelis had to talk to the Arabs. Um, and the truth is that we've got to talk to Turks simple as that. Um, if we don't, <clears throat> either the, what will carry on <clears throat> is that we'll keep going to court, there'll be just court case after court case, or the government will make their own mind up. And with the Tory government, <clears throat> trans people are not going to get what we want. I mean, if you if you think about it in this terms, you know, if we if we were to rely on the Tory government or the next Labour government to, to reform the GRA, what are the chances? Yeah. Currently under Conservatives, yeah. probably nil. Yeah. Under I, Labour, I'm not I'm not that much more confident. No. So you're well, probably looking for you're probably looking at what five, ten, six years before yeah. any well, government. South ID is Labour policy. Um but with the turfs being so strong at this moment in time. Um, even in the Labour Party, you know, we've been invaded. Um, we could well find that they might change. I hope they wouldn't, but 
there's the possibility. I think under Jeremy Corbyn, um, he was very pro-trans people. Would have been more likely than the Corbyn. Yeah. yeah. With Keir Starmer, you know, he's, he's much more middle of the road. And, um, well, he's kind of, I don't want to be having the conversations. He doesn't really want to touch it. It's, uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, so it's difficult to see, um, you know, yeah. a route through politically. Yeah. Um, I, I'm working on ideas at the moment. Well, I'm currently working with six other trans activists. Um, I don't think Stonewall helps, if I'm really honest. Um, Stonewall's policy is we don't talk to anyone. Uh, and I don't think that's helpful. And nor do I feel that Stonewall does enough for trans people, albeit that the turf says that they do, but you know, that's turf philosophy, isn't it? Um, I think, you know, we, we need to start waking up and smelling the coffee here. Uh, I don't think we're going to get self-ID yet. I think we will get it eventually. The, don't get me wrong. Is there a, any reason why we shouldn't have it? No, none at all. Absolutely. Self-ID, it comes with a perjury clause. Within that perjury clause, um, anyone who says, uh, you know, an agenda recognition form um, that if they don't live to the gender that they say they're going to, they're open to a two-year fine and uh, sorry, a two-year prison sentence, which ain't fun when you're trans, <laughs> um, and uh, an unlimited fine. Um, technically, technically, that's a, the, the penalty. Um, in reality the government has tended not to push on that. Um, the turf certainly don't accept it. Um, should they have any right on self-ID? Absolutely not. You know, we're talking about a birth certificate here. It's crazy, but we're talking about a birth certificate. Um, I've got my passport. It was easy. I've got my driving license. It was easy. So that my photographic ID in the name of Steph is there, you know. Yep. Um, what I'm mooting is a system very similar to passports, where basically you send in a, a, a doctor from your, a letter from your doctor saying you're trans, and that's it. You know? So a very simplified. Yes, very simplified. protest, but still involving. Yeah, and getting rid of real life, you know. That's yeah, but but still based on, you know, being backed up by a doctor. A doctor. But if you look at it, is it so bad? You've got to have that for your passport. Yeah, currently. If, yeah. if you if you want hormones, you've got to have it because you've got to go to war path standard of care. So yeah. all you're doing is tying in um, what's already I mean, there. Pr there probably are ways to tie in the GRC to know what you have to do with the GICs and all the medical side of it. Yeah, exactly. There, well, there's, there's probably a way to do that, but somehow it's also got to include people who are not going to have any medical interventions. Yeah, and this is the problem, of course, but I've, unfortunately, I'm, it's, it's rather like sort of people that's non-binary. Um, the I'm not sure it can include non-binary. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think with 
I think for non-binary, what we should be fighting for is, an, is X's available yeah. to be on passports and on documents. Yeah. Um, and indeed, there might well be some trans people out there that would want that as well, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that is a perfectly valid thing to yeah, want. And other countries got it, of you, course. You've somehow got to work that into, you know, a, a revised GRA, yeah. I think. Yeah. But and when it comes to this question of, you know, you've got the, the the turf arguments against and trans arguments for, well, you know, if you still list all those arguments and things and try and have some discussion on them, but only based on, you know, those discussions, they've, they've got to have some kind of framework. Um, so you're not going down you know so you're not kind of allowing the turfs to, to do what they want yeah it, you've somehow got to control that conversation in a way yeah. that's not that's respecting trans if identities we can, you know? if we can get rid of the bureaucracy if we can get rid of the real life experience um that's going if we get rid of real life experience we also get rid of um all the bureaucracy all this of having all, all your documents you know um all your bank accounts and things so what I'm kind of mooting is that we've got to go to the doctors to get a letter anyway for a passport. If we've got to go to the doctors for a letter, why don't we use exactly the same letter to get a gender recognition certificate? Uh, because ultimately, if we're achieving getting a passport with a letter, which is, you know, the best form of photographic ID that you can get. I mean, when's the last time you showed your, your birth certificate ticket? I cannot remember. No. When's the last time you used your passport? Well, perhaps a lot. <laughs> oh, there you go. Um, and yeah, if no, it's, yeah. And you if don't it's, ever use a passport and yeah. birth certificate, really. Yeah, well, no one, I don't even know where mine is. I think uh, for me, having a gender recognition certificate is not really about the birth certificate as such. It's more to do with the rights that the GRC gives me. Yeah. Such as, you know, what we just spoke about, prison, which I'm not going to go to, by the way. And, um, you know, if you want to get married, you want to get married in your yeah, you know, exactly. acquired gender. Those yeah. kind of things are more and, important and, to me. And what business is that of TERFs? None, you know, absolutely none. No, exactly. So, uh, you know, the rights that GRC gives you are the thing that's important for me. Yeah. You know, they would argue that, you know, having a GRC, you know, means that they can still restrict you from doing things. Yeah, and or being always, in, being allowed in single sex spaces, yeah. I, I kind of agree. Don't don't agree with that. I you know I think if you've got that full legal recognition, well, there are no restrictions. Yeah, but what comes down to is the Equality Act and the Gender Recognition Act are different. Um, yeah. and the trans people can be refused certain services if it's reasonable. You know, I can't yeah. remember the exact legal phrase, but it was a legal phrase. Um. We are talking about a whole different act. Let's just talk about the Gender Recognition Act and birth certificates um, and point out the fact that, hey, I've got a driving license, I've got a passport, um, and frankly, the birth certificate ain't none of your business um, as regards to TERFs. Um, and it isn't. Um, and let's just make it simple. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in total agreement with you. Good. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know how to proceed, but yeah, we need it. We definitely need to have a discussion. Indeed. Around how to do that. I mean, it's it's vital, really.
So I think, you know, looking at the time, I think we've uh, yeah, we, we're used, done. Par, used to pass lots, haven't we? So yeah. I, I have one final question for you, and I ask this question to all my guests. Okay. Your end of podcast jingle, you can okay. have a goat, a cow, or a yay. We'll have a yay, please. Yeah, you're the first one to have a yay. Oh, well, we'll do that. That's probably because I've only just reintroduced it. But... Oh, well, definitely. <laughs> so shall, make sure you get your yay. Yeah. And, I, and a huge thank you for coming on and doing the podcast today. We had a great conversation. Touched, some, touched on some really interesting topics. Great. Um, Hopefully I... have you back in the future at some point where we can maybe discuss more topics and see how these issues have progressed. Indeed. It was absolutely but, great to have you on. Thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure and thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And we'll say our goodbyes now and uh, hopefully see you soon on you know one of these other forums that we occasionally bump into each other on. Indeed. Okay. All the best. Yeah, bye. Thanks. Bye bye. Yay! <laughs>